every spanking I got, I deserved it. I needed it. Thank my <laughs> God for my parents because there are a lot of parents who would have gave up. My parents didn't give up. They had more stamina than I had, boy. You know <laughs> what? Listen. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business. Your business, business. Handle all of your business. Value all of your business. You say you're minding your business. My business. What's up, what's up, good people? I'm Renee Montgomery, and you're tapped in with Montgomery and Company. And so, listen, we're going to let Soledad O'Brien talk to us all episode because the conversation was so good that we just really didn't want to cut any parts out of it. They're all that way, but this one, we're going to let it play out. We're also going to have Snook talk to you guys and have story time with Snook and tell you about a time where a Rutgers fan lost their minds and almost made us lose our minds. But Snook will get into that. We also played a little What Would You Do? I don't know if you've seen that show, but... But it's wild situations that people are put in and it's and you ask the question what would you do we saw the chris paul situation we'll talk about what would we do there's a lot going on tap in with us again it's the home opener we're turned up oh a home opener it's like it's a whole different feel now that I'm not a player, but I kind of have the same feelings that a player probably would have on their home opener. I was excited last night. I was super excited to hear the things that are going to happen tomorrow. The players might might not even know this, but this is Wednesday and it doesn't come out till tomorrow. So I'm not really spilling the beans, but we about to sell out. Okay. Like one year later, we're about to sell out on opening night. How does that make me feel? That's what I'm trying to explain because last night, like I said, I was turned up. Like we were listening to music way too late at night. Like I didn't have things to do in the morning. Like we don't have whole jobs in the morning, but we were turned up. We were excited. There was just so much energy because I would have loved to have a sold out crowd when I was running out on opening night, home opener. We've been watching other WNBA games and we see that other teams had sold out crowds. And we're like, that's the kind of energy we wanted here in the A. So for the city to get behind us, this quick this early has been wild in a sense of like I I don't know y'all gonna make me shed a thug tear Um, and not just on Wednesday May 11th is gonna be sold out but we're looking like on Friday May 13th that we might sell the joint out too so I'm just feeling good Win, lose, or draw, and this is the thing that I'm excited about most about this season is that I know that I'm going to enjoy the way that our team plays. I'm going to enjoy how we compete. I'm going to enjoy watching Tunisia pour into the players. And so, like, I really, like, we can lose, and I'm not, I know moral victories don't matter, but we can lose. I understand that there's a possibility that we can lose. But if we play a certain way, I can handle that because I know that we're going to lose less and less and less the more we play a certain way. So, Man, I'm just excited, y'all. It's happening. There's things happening here in Atlanta. We were saying that before in 2020, and then we saw Atlanta change the world. And I think that things are really happening here with Atlanta and sports. And I'm so glad that the dream is included in that conversation now. Like, the dream is a part of the good things happening. So, man, I'm excited, y'all. Get into it. I'm going to see y'all at a game, all right? I better see y'all at a game. By now, I hope that you've seen what's happened on Mother's Day. Of all days on Mother's Day, there was an incident that happened. It could have been another rumble in the jungle. It it could have gotten crazy in there, but they're lucky that the former president of the MBPA, Chris Paul, was the one 
that was involved in the situation. So basically, allegedly, because I'm always going to say allegedly when things aren't confirmed, but allegedly there was a kid that, I don't know, he looked like he could have been 17, 18. I'm not really sure his age, but there was a kid that was at the game watching game four and he some way or another put his hands on Chris Paul's mom and put his hands on Chris Paul's wife. Now, this is a wild thing to do just in general to put your hands on someone's mother and their wife at the same time. But this brave soul allegedly did exactly that. Chris Paul got wind of it during the game. He let the guy know he will see him later. You know what I'm saying? Basically, the cash me outside is what he was basically trying to say to my guy. And so it just made me wonder what would you do you know like that game i know you what is his name snook kionis what is the guy's name uh john kionis yes so we're gonna play a little game of what would you do so we know that when i referenced the rumble in the jungle it was referencing at the palace malice at the palace i'm sorry i was referencing malice at the palace which was in detroit i'm just curious what would we do in that situation so for me i'll actually start snook is going to tell a story later about basically a situation that happened at Rutgers where a fan had lost their minds temporarily. Again, it was kind of similar to Chris Paul in a sense that it was a young fan. So that always adds a different dynamic. Now I saw on the internet, a lot of people said if he was old enough to be crazy and do some dumb stuff like that, he was old enough to catch these hands. So I'm just curious. Charles Barkley was actually someone that also mentioned that he wanted five minutes at center court and the guy shouldn't be able to press charges. So there's a lot of opinions flying around. And so I wanted to ask the crew, basically, what would you do? So for me, I found out after the game and I was still turned up. My revenge would have been probably like, well, we got to roast this city every time we come here. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like he he made it bad for the city. But I don't know. I'm curious, Cole, I'm going to pass it right to you. What would you do? I think everybody here knows what I would do. Um, I, game is over. We have we're done. I'm I'm already great. Head to the locker room because, like you said, if he's old enough to know, he put his hands on somebody. Then he should be old enough to get what he get. I tell my kids every day when they were little and Vance too. When you put your hands on someone, you don't get to say what they get to do back. Retaliation of what they do <laughs> is what they do. You can't say, oh, I only hit you this hard. You can't hit me. No. You put your hands on someone, expect for them to put their hands on you back. Now, <laughs> what's really crazy is, is that as a mother, if I see my son yeah. put his hands on someone, I would be like, oh, you've lost your mind. He wouldn't have had to take it there because I would have taken it there with my own son. Like, you don't put your hands on people. You lost exactly. your mind. So my question is, a lot of people were like, what would you do? Well, first of all, if I was Chris Paul, I would have been brawling. I w- everybody would have got hit. Moms, pops, cousins, <laughs> aunties, sisters. I don't care. You on that road, you're going to get it. But from a parent standpoint, what was you doing? Because his mother escorted him out from what I saw. Allegedly, I don't know if it was his mother, who it was, but there was a female Somebody who escorted so him serious. out. Yes, <laughs> escorted him out and was like, okay, yeah, let's go. What did you say? What were you doing when this was going on? I don't understand why you let it escalate to this point. So, but yes, it would have been a rumble or a malice in the palace, rumble in the jungle. It would have been catch me outside. It would have been square up. It would have been all of those things. So I think everybody know how I would have handled it, which is not always right. 
but it's what I would have done. Mm-mm. I mean, <laughs> Renee said, oh, that he hit them both at the same time. I'm like, I don't care if at the same time, separate times. I don't times. know if it was at if the same put, time. Yeah. I mean, no, you said, you said at, the, at the same day, the same event. I don't <laughs> care if it's two separate <laughs> events. If you ever put your hands on my spouse or my mom, oh, no, no, no. It's over. We're going to have to fight. And then I'm going to have to get my sister involved. Nah, I'm going to have to get my other sisters involved, Cole and Shay. And then, like, hey. they don't, they don't want that. They we're gonna have to it's, Kimberly, don't. Cole, Shay, everybody. I got a whole bunch of Listen, cousins too. The security guards aren't ready for what could happen. I just have to take a little side note to say. I saw the security guard chasing Chris down the hallway yesterday when they was trying to fight Bismack Biombo in the, in the back. Like, <laughs> y'all, these security guards, y'all better get in shape, but these fans is acting crazy. Y'all better be ready because you heard two out of two said it's time to go. Okay, now I don't I know mean, how it's, Snook it's, or Juju would handle it, but two and two is already saying it's rest to roll them security cards better be ready it's almost it's, it's time to get in the thing to, to defend yourself but when it comes to like other, to your family member everybody knows that like when it comes to yeah. yourself people can take a lot but when it when it comes to outside of yourself and to those people that you love uh uh-uh, uh like those, those nope. are you know Short those fuse. are fighting Short those fuse. are that means to fight for real Well, we're all smiling here. And as Renee mentioned in the introduction there, I've been the recipient. I've been on the uh, taking end of some bad fan behavior. And I know when I saw it, I was with Shaq because Shaq said that he would have uh, five of his cousins show up with with his mother and his spouse or whatever. And he would just tell them to handle whatever business they needed to handle. Well, I feel like with my situation, I didn't have five cousins but I had a son-in-law <laughs> and some my daughter Nikki was there I had plenty of people who stood up so it's always helpful sometimes you don't think about it but you might need to send some support people to games we, we almost people. lost our lives because we, we was at the top of them bleachers we was all gonna go down we was all going down <laughs> the bleachers it wasn't gonna be the right way but we were all going <laughs> we was about to hit the steps it was bad up there it was Listen, bad Rutgers, y'all gonna be whoop. y'all it's gonna be crazy when y'all hear this story but snook what would you do if you were the mom and the kid wouldn't stop now you know now nicole has been on the end of <laughs> When I told her to stop doing something. I got many a spanking, many a spanking. Needed everyone. I got a lot. I got tore up a lot. I got tore up where you are or who you're with. If you're wrong, you're wrong. On site. My parents did play on site. I I particularly love when Snook get good and close and let us know. Like, like she was still letting us know we ain't too old to get it now. Like when you're wrong, you're wrong. Okay, Snook a book of Juju. What you doing? You playing in the game, minding your good old business, and you turn around and see your family, your mama, and your wife going off that some kid has now put their hands on him. Like, what, what, what is the what's happening? Before I answer that one, I want to confirm what uh, Snook say. I would have got my behind beat from the, <laughs> the court side to the terrace to the parking deck. The parking attendants would have been like, "Ma'am, what's going on?" You just still been whooping. You know what I mean? It would have been that would have been the real rumble in the jungle, the malice in the palace. Yeah. I embarrass her down there on national TV in front. Oh no, <laughs> no, it is not going to be a good month for me. But uh, if I was Chris Paul, and I know my mama coming to the game, I probably would always have a couple people with them, like mm, either my homeboys or just people from, and now after this event, maybe a couple 
from the different age groups, some little cousins, ten years old, <laughs> whatever category. Also, oh, they the can fight the little kids if they from. act up. Exactly. Yeah, he said he need everybody to match up. Right. I don't want nobody saying that we done uh, we uh, put hands on the wrong person. Now, <laughs> little cuz, go get sick. He said we take care of everybody. He said we match up. They usually do weight classes, but now for the games, we got to do age, age. group, yep. age classes, and then okay, he about seventeen. Who's our seventeen-year-old group? and fight like that's you know what I'm saying we just gotta be ready <laughs> woo it's terrible I, I like what you said there but I know that we keep going back to this but I have to keep saying it because I don't know where the message is getting lost but we gotta figure out our fans are y'all okay I'm just like I'm, I'm really starting to be concerned are y'all okay because now it's starting to get creative on the ways that fans is wilding out like I mean and this isn't knew that a fan has put his hands on somebody's family because again we we saw malice in the palace and we saw what happens then but it's like i thought you know i'm saying i thought we progressed from that i thought we got past that so i'm just gonna ask fans are y'all all right because it was like really <laughs> sad when sports was not here and everybody wanted it but we got to treat sports a little better you know we have fans that were wilding out at games doing different things at games, throwing popcorn, spitting on people. Now you putting hands on people's mothers on Mother's Day? I just know, sir. Any day is not okay. No tickets ain't cheap. No, it, that's, it, see, I, that's what I'm about to say. I was just about to say that. People think if they buy a ticket, that entitles them to act whatever fool they want to act in those stands. What they need to do is we need to have the waiver at the bottom where it says you agree to pay for this ticket. They need to say you agree that if you do anything crazy and anything retaliatory happens, you get what you get and you go home. You get it and you go home. That's what they need to put on there. You need to check and check so that if something happens and you you know, you check all these boxes. I will do this and I will do that. And I will act accordingly. You need to check off that. If you do act crazy, you're going to take your whooping and you go home. Get what you get and go home. I think, that's, I that's think people just losing their minds because we've been locked up like from the pandemic too long or something. Because it's like every week is a new incident like with Dave Chappelle and then it's like now, you know, right. with, with the Minnesota fans and stuff. It's like it's something something new every week. It's like it's, it's like it's true what Renee said. Are y'all okay? Because people are seeming to lose their minds after being in lockdown for so long. Unmedicated. I think it transcends beyond being a fan of the game. People these days do not have controller their kids period it could be they could be at the grocery store they could be at the doctor's oh, office that would be quick to the bathroom real quick office and seeing a child go up with those hard shoes and just haul off and kick their mom right <laughs> no sir no ma'am oh danny please stop danny please stop danny don't come over here you know that's what i'm thinking that's People what you see the mom dragging their to dragging the kids to the bathroom and then the kids like they come out with their with their eyes all wet like in <laughs> the bathroom you did this in front of these people I, I want these people who saw you kick me see how I responded I so want them to know Snoop, you're not allowed to do that in public anymore times have changed well as we've to, yes, as we told you Renee yes, and we told Nicole and we told Nishay if that's the case then they need to come get you 
<laughs> come get them. They can't stay in my house like this. You can't go ahead and bully in my house. That's, that's what happens. You go home and the kids like, yeah, now, now what you gonna do? Now what I'm gonna do is when this door closed, this is I'm the state of Maryland now. So whatever happened in this house, you can do what you want to do. But allegedly, you get these are all stories. Allegedly, you know what I'm saying this is, <laughs> ain't no allegedly, uh, ain't no allegedly. I acted up and I got tore up on site. My kids knew they would get tore up on site. I, I don't care about embarrassing you. I don't care about embarrassing me. I don't know these people. I don't care. So it is on site. There you go. On site. My mama came and got me outside of a inside of a nightclub when I was 15 <laughs> years old. It was graduation night. I snuck in the nightclub. Oh wow! And who head do I see prancing around the dang club looking for somebody? <laughs> we locked eyes at the same time. She made a beeline to me and beat me from the middle of the club to the oh my God. the house into the back off. Hey, that's a good mama right there. That's the mama we need. That's the mama we need. Exactly. That's the kind of mamas because that incident might not have. Listen, you can't control your kids at all times, but that might not have happened at the game of game four had y'all chased y'all's kids around some nightclubs like Juju's mama did him. Y'all better get them. Snuff. Well, I was just going to tell a little quick story about we were in the store and Nicole, when she was young, wanted to put on a temper tantrum. I didn't mm. get to buy my groceries, had a whole bag, a cart full of groceries there ready to check out. So Nicole had to put on her little show. So I had to put a little show on with it all the way <laughs> out the door, all the way across the street, all the way into the car. So when Ron got home from work, he kept saying, how was your day? Did anything happen today? Because his friend had told him, man, I saw your wife. <laughs> oh, <laughs> goodness. She was tearing her up. up all the way to the car. Ooh. So anyway. <laughs> like I said, I got many, many, many. I got spanking, I think, every day for two solid years. And I need every <laughs> single one. I just, I wasn't afraid of a spanking. I wasn't afraid to get hit. And it just needed to be, it just needed to resonate that it's not going to stop. So every spanking I got, I deserved it. I needed it. Thank <laughs> God for my parents because there are a lot of parents who would have gave up. My parents didn't give up. They had more stamina than I had more. You know <laughs> what? Listen, basically, long story short, when you come to a game, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yep. They should, they should start handing out a picture of the Dave Chappelle guy with his arm like that. Listen, Wang, Wang, like Wang. this could be you. <laughs> don't try it. Disclaimer, right? You don't want this to be now. you. Next, we have Soledad O'Brien, who is the anchor of Matter of Fact, and they have a new season coming up soon. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Soledad, thank you so much for joining us here on Montgomery & Company. As a woman that is on a matter-of-fact listening tour, 
I love how you guys called it a listening tour, first of all, because it's a dope way to put it. But love what you talk about on there. Love the things that you're doing. So can you just tell us about that at first, just to let people know who you are and what you're doing? Sure. I've been a journalist, gosh, I'm, I hate to say it, 35 years, my 35th year, which I started very, very young, obviously. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but, but the listening tour, so, uh, you know, I, I've been a journalist for a long time working as a producer, working uh, my way up, anchoring at NBC and CNN. And then when I started my own production company, one of the things that I wanted to do was to do the show that we co-produce with Hearst. The show is called Matter of Fact. And then Matter of Fact wanted to kind of go online to do a listening tour in the middle of the pandemic. And it was kind of crazy because we were trying to figure out how do you gather people's voices at a time when no one can really go and do interviews. We were traveling a little bit during the pandemic, but we certainly weren't going to go you know, out in the field for six weeks and shoot constantly and invite ourselves into people's living rooms when it just didn't <laughs> seem particularly safe. Right. And so we just started kind of dialing people in. Our very first listening tour for her, so it was completely uh, digital. I think we had like f- almost five billion with a B impressions. Wow. It was so crazy. Wait a minute! Was, no, I know. no, no, no. We're not. Wow. Gonna, we're not going to skip by that. You said five billion, like with yeah. a B billions. Like the 4. show, one of my favorite shows. Billion, and I don't exactly know. Like, well, what does that mean? Is it an impression? Someone who loves it, someone who hates it, someone who watches the whole <laughs> thing, someone who watches for three seconds and says, "Wow, I don't know." But it just was resonating because that particular one was right in the middle of the George Floyd protest, and it was a look at bias. And then we sort of take a theme for each of our listening tours. Our most recent one looked at um, progress. You know, all, there are lots of promises made, right, in the wake of all these protests and, and social unrest. Well, what happened to those promises? You know, I mean, did anything come of them? Upcoming uh, listening tour that we're going to do uh, is going to look at uh, sort of, you know, people who were disruptors and leaders, um, both people who we sort of know as as the boldface names. And then I think a lot of young people who are not even necessarily young people, but who just have really, you know, made a big difference by doing what they do. And I love it because I don't think there's a lot of opportunities now, especially in news, to kind of highlight people who are on the, you know, coming up and people who are working. News to me today, I watch it all the time, is very bold face name oriented and very much like politics as a football. Who won? Who said the sassy thing? Who, boy, they were, they had a good comeback versus like, okay, what does this policy mean? And who are the people on the ground doing the work? So it's been a really great opportunity. And I think when it's digital, of course, it it doesn't have to be, you know, 22 minutes or 48 minutes. It can sort of be the length that we want it to be. So they've been really successful for us. So, yeah, we're about to start our next one, which it sounds like you're saying, yes, you'd love to be involved. Renee, thank you. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait wait till I I tell the team. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm down. Listen, because you guys had... Jamel Hill, John Legend. This wasn't just any old listening tour. There were some powerhouse names there. You also talked about being a journalist for 35 years. Now, as we know, there's been a lot of progress in all categories and in all businesses of women being able to fill certain seats and take certain roles. But like as a journalist, how have you seen the progression over these 35 years change and when it comes to women? When I started at WBZ TV in 1980. Seven. No one did live shots. You know, we had two live vans and there were only certain reporters who ever went live. Like it was a big deal to go live. Most reporters did their piece, wrote them and they just played them during the newscast. Now, I mean, when I by the time I was at CNN, 
I used to anchor shows live just out in the field 11 hours. I remember once my boss brought us ice cream. I'm like, 11 hours and you're bringing us, I like we get ice cream. <laughs> I feel, feel like Can that's, I get a steak, please? Yeah. Steak is a potato. At least, at least. Right. ribs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that is just one, the way technology has changed uh, and allowed us to do that. And also how much smaller it's gotten. I mean, the idea that we could even do this and kind of beam everybody. I mean, this is basically like CNN, right? Video and audio and a control room that get, that's a, pretty amazing. Um, and so I think it's opened up a lot of opportunities. I always tell young people when I'm talking at colleges, like, if you want to do a podcast, start doing one. Even if you have six people, your mom, two of your aunts, you know, a friend, two of your teachers, like, go do it because you have this great opportunity with very accessible, inexpensive uh, technology. And then by the time you've done your hundredth show, you might be getting a real paying gig and you'll have a lot of experience. So I think that that's also been a big shift. But in a lot of ways, you know, some things have not changed. You know, there was an article the other day, a column, a woman wrote, a New York Times columnist, and her whole perspective was, you know, as a white woman, and I, am I, how come lived experience is so important? How come I can't talk about, you know, issues around disabled people or black people? And you're like, who said you couldn't? What? Like, what are you even talking <laughs> about? And so it seems like we're back on this. Wild. It's a little bit of a backlash of, um, I would call it like, um, the politics of being whiny about, you know, I've, I'm being canceled. I'm not allowed, you know, people doing holding mm, press conferences culture. talking about they're being canceled. You're like, you're not canceled. What? Mm-hmm. Here I am watching you on TV. I'm you're like, people are listening right now. You're not canceled. Yeah. <laughs> you are not canceled. You're I'm not looking canceled. at you. <laughs> yeah. So we're in an interesting time, I think, of, um, you know, this idea that, you know, uh, there was a point where people, there was a an inflection point where I think people said, wow, you know, if we're going to talk about homeless moms, maybe we should center one in the story. Yeah, like, let's maybe go actually find feature one. one. We want to talk about farmers. Like, let's go find a farmer and ask him what he thinks, as opposed to handing the mic off to people who interpret the story. And and in a way, I feel like what she was saying was a bit of a, a backlash that doesn't even exist. I mean, plenty of people write and talk about people uh, and their experiences at the writers themselves don't have. So I thought it was a bit, you know, but but you're seeing more of that. Like, why is this being done unto me, you know, as a privileged person with a brand new column in the New York Times? Why am I being silenced? (laughs) Yes. That's an excellent point. I mean, just because it is so easy to create new content and create new things like that. Also, to your other point, there is a shift going on where more storytellers that come from the actual culture are changing the narrative and are telling their stories. So, you know, there is an influx of that as well. So I, I, I love what you're saying. Like, people are contributing to this narrative that's not actually true you know because yeah. for ages and for years people have been talking about other people and the people who actually come from the experiences don't actually get to tell their own stories that much what we started doing on matter of fact um, which was really great because I, I love that my executive producer really thought about it we were doing a story on why millennials don't vote and we had a very nice man 50 five year old white guy who'd done a lot of charts and you know studies and we we're both like we probably should also just find a millennial and ask her why she doesn't vote. Like, <laughs> Literally I mean, find one, right. a source. <laughs> and they can be together, all right, on the set talking about one guy gathers data, one person has lived experience. I mean, and they both could add value. And so I think the idea, we've tried with the show very hard to make sure that we examine our own biases. Like, why did we love the guy who had the data? Why did we not immediately think of the millennial? I mean, it's kind of ironic, right? Like we could just, 
say, why did you not vote? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's kind of like how in just the grand scheme of government and politics, it seems like there's always those kind of layers of there's a simpler route that we all can see that's not being taken in a lot of different ways. Like, man, there's this huge problem and everybody can see, well, there's this huge solution, but there's always layers of to how to get to that solution. And sometimes it is data driven when there's a very simple mindset. Now you talked about CNN earlier that you started working for them and a lot of people know that CNN plus had a lot of energy behind oh, their platform heartbreak, heartbreak it's a such a heartbreaker because you know my first thought was that all the people that were looking forward to their new gig or looking forward Ugh. to having a new experience to start fresh for it to just stop I think I read something like 300 million was put in and then it, it you know, they had to just shut it all down. What do you think happened? I, I, I can all. I mean, I, I have lots of friends who work there, so it's just such a heartbreak for me. And as somebody who has been fired off of shows and has had shows canceled, it just it it's never easy. It's brutal. It's painful. It just sucks. That's there's no way to put it, but it just sucks. Uh, it looks like there was actually a very good write through. I think it was in the New York Times, kind of behind the scenes. And of course, with the merger, it sounds like I'll give you a, a paraphrase of it that Discovery that was going to buy CNN was not really excited about another streaming service. Remember, there is Discovery Plus already as a streaming service. And then HBO Max is a streaming service. And one of the challenges it sounded like to me and one of the, the thoughts that I had originally when they announced it was I think CNN is known for breaking news, right? That's what, that's what CNN does great when yes. there's news and breaking news. Breaking but news? They, they, can't, they can't put that on the streamer because that's CNN's product already that is sold elsewhere, right? So it would be like, you know, playing for a basketball team and then saying, I'm going to go over here and play for them too. They'd be like, oh, no, 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 you play for us. You can do other stuff for them. You want to, you know, so then you start a knitting club. And everybody's like, well, we don't we don't want you in the knitting club. Like, we, we want you to play <laughs> basketball, you know? Like, that's what you're known for. Yes, so yes. because of those, right, CNN has um, affiliates, so they can't just stream the news. <laughs> they, people pay for those affiliate relationships. And so I think in some ways it was hard to sort of say, well, will people buy into the CNN that is not streaming news, that is things that are adjacent to news? I think they had some really interesting content and ideas um, for sure, and they certainly didn't get enough time to to try it all out. But I think that was a a bit of a challenge. So Discovery, it sounds like it wasn't very into the idea in the first place, and they were buying it. And then when they saw the first numbers come back where they had, I guess, fewer than 10,000 people watching, they just thought, like, let's just pull the plug now as opposed to continuing to pour hundreds of millions of dollars into it. But I have so many friends there. Oh, it's awful. So how does that work? Like, so, okay, so I have a show that's slated to be on CNN Plus. I'm excited. We already have a contract together. How does that work? Do they have to buy people, like pay people out of their One contracts? Word. or lawyers. Mm. Well, well you if go. you're talent, right, so you have an agent or you have a right. lawyer who's done your deal and now your lawyer's calling up, but usually your contract stipulates what happens, right? Because people being laid off and shows being canceled and networks being canceled, like that's not new. New, yeah. So normally you'll have some kind of a contract thing that's pay or play. Well, no matter what happens, we have to pay you or we don't have to pay you if this ends or we have to pay you for a year. For people who are not, that's usually for on-air talent because they have agents for the most part. For people who might not have an agent who are producers, often they've negotiated something already with their lawyers. Like if I leave, I have to give two weeks notice. If they fire me, they owe me X amount of severance. And then there are lots of people who 
HR is offering a certain amount of severance to, uh, which sounded, you know, pretty generous like in the context of you've just lost your job, which is horrible. But I think they were offering six months of severance. The, the challenge is, of course, that, you know, CNN is such a big name that you feel when you're signing on to that. You're signing on to, you know, Stability. something that's like... Right, or Stability. giant rock. Yeah. Yes. And so exactly. I think the fact that it went under so fast has just been so chaotic and, and scary. It's always scary in your industry. And so I think for a lot of people, that's just, it's just so, so upsetting. Yeah, because when you think about, like, not only just, okay, the severance pay might be great, but if somebody left their job to go do that job, and now did. it's not like you can, yeah, you can't just call your boss up like, hey, by the way, can I come back? Can I'm we date again? Like, that's not yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you can't do that. So that was the first thoughts in my mind. I was even excited about the Carrie Champion and Jamel Hill oh, show, yes, what it was going right? to be called. But I was excited about Rex Chapman had a show that was going to be on there. So I was really excited to see what they bring. And even to the Jamel Hill and Carrie Champion, you know, they had their stick to sports. And it makes me think about women in sports, women in sports broadcasting, women in media. And this is the Title IX 50th anniversary. And so for me, when I start to think about, all right, of how many, this would be a good case study of how many of the people that had to get laid off because the network shut down or the platform shut down, how many women are going to be able to acquire jobs after that? Because it's we really know that tough. there's only limited seats and we saw it with ESPN. So I'm just curious your thoughts on, you know, how do you eradicate the situation where, oh, we all have to share one seat? Or, it's like, really you know, hard. Like, what? It's hard. It's hard. The numbers aren't there, right? It's it's So what ends up happening is some people will be plucked and, and some will not and some will go to other platforms. But, yeah, you're exactly right. And that goes back to CNN being, you know, the, the stability and the rock is that the plan was for four years, I think a billion dollars over four years. You hear that and you think, well, I'm going to jump, but I'm going to, you know, I got a four-year plan ahead of me, not a three-week plan. And so, I mean, it's a big difference to leave a big job. I knew people who left jobs as network producers. You know, you those are very hard to go back to. For me, the answer has always been in creating my own thing. There are wins and losses in that, right? Like, you know, not everybody wants to hire you to do stuff, but I have really found that it opens up a lot of doors. But it's it's it, this is our ninth year running my company, uh, which is called Soledad O'Brien Productions. And, you know, like, nice. it, it's hard. It's hard. No, I just feel old. Like, it doesn't feel like, <laughs> no, no, it's like, no, it's dope. No, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> that is so dope. But it's, but you're right. You can build something, right? And then you, and then you stuff yourself into it and you're the producer or you're the executive producer or you're the talent or you hire your friends or you, you know, so that has been a little bit of my solution, but it's, you know, it's, it's just really hard work all the time. Yep. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy lifting. Yeah, and, and Serena and I just started Think Tank Productions it last year for that very same reason in the sense of how stories are told, what lens are they told through, because sometimes the narrative can shift in stories depending on who's saying it. And Always. so we started to see that there's a lot of stories being told out there and maybe that's not how that community would feel. And you start to see it even the community saying, yeah, that's not us, we don't really fool with that. But it was just a piece that was created Created that there was really no representation in the piece. It was someone telling another person's story. So that's exactly why we started Think Taking. We're also doing the same thing, you know, like creating those stories ourselves and sitting in there. And that makes me think about just different spaces that 
you know, for you to be a woman in that production company and us too, but I think about the different spaces of you're in wealth and finance as well. So that's a very... Which I'm, I'm the non... That, that, which is amazing. When, when I had the interview, it's this new radio show, and I one of the things I did in my production company, uh, it's called Everyday Wealth, and one of the things that I, I really found in my production company, in my life, has been for me to understand something, I have to walk through it. Like, I can't just read a book and be like, oh, I totally got it. So when I wanted to do podcasts, I was like, the best way for me to do podcasts is go do a podcast and figure out and then listen to it and say, oh, I love it. Or, oh, no, I don't. So I'd never done radio. And I got a request to do this radio show. But it was about finance. And what I know about finance is like, I don't know much about, like, you know, but I said to them, if you're looking for someone to give financial tips, like literally, I'm the last person you should ask. But if you're looking for someone to talk about Wanting money to be leveraged into useful things, whether it's giving back to your community and living the life you want to lead like that, I'm very interested in. And so I do the show with Jean Chatsky, who is a financial expert. So she's yes. every time someone comes up with an acronym, I'm like, what is that? What is that? Same in the VC world. It's like, OK, got yeah, it. Thank right. you. Let me write that down. Thank you. Um, but but, you know, a lot of what one of some of our best shows, and that's your experience with finance. Right. Right. And, but. But a lot of our, sh- you know, to me, we did a show where I talked all about trying to get my parents who were getting very old and frail into housing and how how much we screwed it up. Like I, I had that conversation so late, so, so late. I see your mom trying to say something to me and I, I, I wish I could hear. I wonder if you're. Well, I was just saying, you know, this is just so forthcoming as far as what she was talking about, because we've had little conversations going around the family a lot these last few days about you know this in the life stuff and everything and it's funny because I just told Nicole this morning about my granddaughter trying to jump in the equation about taking care of what should be happening since she told Shay that uh, I should not be driving now so but you know like so my conversation was all about we were so I have five brothers and sisters and when I would ask my mom and dad were immigrants to this country who put six kids through school and then through college and some through medical school and some through law. Like they retired. They, you know, they owned a house like they were doing it just fine. We were solidly middle class, maybe even upper middle class a little bit. And then when I'd be like, okay, so are you guys good for like how we kind of see where you want to end up and where you want to live? We got it. They didn't have it. That was just a lie. They just didn't. <laughs> That's an they, awkward conversation. It, I know it is. Yeah. But you have Man. to have it because, you know, what's worse is the conversation when someone has dementia like my mom did. Oh. My mom, the day we moved her out of the apartment she lived in into this um, like supported nursing home environment that was an apartment as well. Beautiful. I mean, she just screamed and cried. That was horrible. I so wish that at age 70, when your parents can argue with you and push back and debate, we had said like, all right, so let's talk about where you're going to be. Let's talk about this. It's so much better to have that conversation than to wait till someone's scared and frail and sick and confused. And oh, my gosh, it was we did such a bad job. So, you know, like that to me is what I bring to the conversation about finance and wealth, because my parents had the money. Luckily, they'd saved the money. And I still messed it up completely. I still messed it up. But it was a really difficult last year of their lives. And they died within 40 days of each other. And it was really hard. It just was heartbreaking. And they lived a great life. I mean, but, you know, I wish that I had just, 
you know, figured out when are we taking the keys away? When are we having the discussion about where you're going to live? When are we having the discussion about who you want to give things to? Like, it's awkward. Obviously, it's about death. It is. But wouldn't you rather feel like mom said specifically this and dad specifically wanted this versus just guessing? The reason why mom is smiling is because, and I I cannot hear her, but I know why she's smiling is because she tries to have these conversations with me all the time. And she tells me these things. I'm like, Ma, no. I was like, we're not doing that. No, we're not going to have this conversation right now. I remember when she tried to have us have that conversation too. See, that's why you're right. We know you're right. We know she's right. And it's like, I told Cole and them, they need to have that conversation with them because I'm not built for it. I can't do it. I'm not built for that. I'll be like caught in the whole conversation. I don't either, but I well, mean, who likes right. those conversations? Nobody right. likes those exactly. <laughs> There's uncomfortable conversations that need right, to be so. had. They do need to yeah, be had. Yeah, because otherwise it gets so messy. I mean, and then it does. The number of people, I know so many people who don't have a will. How do you not have a will? Yeah. You know what you put your family through? Even if you don't want a will, what you put your loved ones who you leave behind through when you everything goes into probate and they basically have to yeah. do the paperwork to get what, what they deserve. I mean, it's so. Or they have a will or they have a will and you don't know who the will is with. Right. Who do you contact to even find the will? Because, you know, some people, they start off with one person and then they go to another person because they don't like that person anymore. So everything transferred. So then you think it's the first person. You're like, oh, it's got to be with them because I remember him saying or her saying. And then you go to them like, oh, no, they had that transferred years ago. I'm not sure who they they took that information and they were going to go with someone else. And so. Also, who is the information with is another. Yeah. And, and you know, my one. dad, my dad, as he got more frail. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what it was, but he loved ordering Omaha steaks, which you can order <laughs> online. <laughs> Literally, at one point, I had a, a tire freezer full of Omaha steaks. And because no one had control of their finances. Right. right. He began to get a little unable Loose. to manage. Yes. But if I had been added when he was much younger, right, just like I just be like, I'm just I'm just added just like I was added to theirs when I was 17 and 18 and had a little money and had a little checking account. Right. They didn't just let me go wild. They were kind of like, yes, everything comes here to the house and we go through it. And and so I wish that I had done that because trying to get a hold of that when someone's 85 versus when they're 75 and willing to say, like, listen, my dad's welcome to order as many Omaha steaks as he wants. I, you know, I mean, like, go for it if that's what you want to do. But at that point, I didn't think that was really what he wanted to do. I think he was confused or pressured. You know, I just wish that I had been involved at a really close level early. And then, of course, passwords, right? Like, oh, do you gosh. want to try to break into someone's account or do you want them to say, here's a list of all the passwords? Here's all the accounts. Here's roughly what's in all the accounts. And you can make yourself um, a person who gets notified. There's so many stories about people who, as they get older, you know, get scammed. Someone yes. comes in, you know, next thing you know, they're they're marrying their nurse's aide, you know, and, and you know, giving all their property to yes. them. That happens. Yes. Yes, so, and, you know, there are ways to be involved in someone's account where you just get notified. Before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you one quick question. Like you talked about the family and their finances and all of those different layers. So what does generational wealth mean to you on the other side of it? You know, it's a big piece of it. Make that appointment and have that ugly conversation. And by the way, have wine with it and cheese and crackers and make it as easy as possible. But take note. So I'm right. She's right. We're right. We're right together. Um, generational wealth is a big piece of that, right? How do you make sure that you're passing along 
to your children, your offspring, your family, what you've been able to create and grow. You know, it, when you guys are creating this company, you're creating something that can go on to your family in some way. You know, every dime that you have that you save, you get to decide where does that go and, and how do you think about generational wealth? We know that black people are far, far behind white counterparts in terms of how much money they have saved. You know, and people reporting on this almost always act like, I don't know why. And I'm always yeah. like, yeah, that whole working for free thing for the yeah. first few hundred years. <laughs> yeah. Right. That'll do well, it. There's that. There's, well, there's that. that. You know, so I think that this idea of, OK, there's a lot of catching up to do. How do you then hang on to your money? How do you build your money? How do you make smart decisions about your money? And we all know the more money you have, the easier bankers and everybody make it for you. Right. When I used to when I was a young reporter, the National Association of Black Journalists used to have um, a conference. We would scrape together money to go. Right. When I needed to go, I had no money to go. And we would have like we supposed to say two people in a room. We'd have four people in a room and fly. I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, sounds now, like All Star Weekend. Right. And now I have enough money that if I wanted to like stay in a hotel and go to the NABJ conference, they're like, No, no, no. We'll pay for you. Come on in. We'll put you up. Right? That's a fact. That's how it works, right? And so what you really yeah. need to do is, and, and generational wealth in a way is that if you have money, bankers are like, oh, we'll give you a better rate. Oh, no, you he can float you this loan. You can do this. You can take out more money. And when you don't have any money, those ATM fees are high. You bounce a check. You're going to pay through the nose for that. Like, you know, so you have to really figure out how to take that little bit of money, protect it at all costs, grow it so that you can pass it on to your family. Most generational wealth is in your house. Right. And yes. so that's why home ownership is so important. As you I mean, I have friends whose parents gave them the down payment to buy their home. That's not unusual. I mean, imagine if someone not. said and even if you're buying a nice, modest home, right, someone giving you a hundred thousand dollars to buy yeah. your home is an insane boon. For someone else who's like, I, I just don't have enough for the down payment, or I'm going to work another 10 years to just get the down payment. payment so yeah. all of those things are ways to invest in your family and, and grow wealth. So I love those conversations. I'm absolutely not the expert. I feel like I'm often the one asking the, the dumb questions, but I find it fascinating because I, you know, my husband and I run a small foundation. We send girls to college and, you know, when Ooh. they get jobs, we literally sit down with them and talk about, join your 401k. This is how you have to think about your money. Now we're going to start investing. You don't need a gig. You need a job. You don't need a job. You need a career. And you need a career to drive that long-range wealth. That's what's really going to protect you and hold you through the downturn. So when CNN Plus bails, you know, you say, wow, that's terrible. It's going to probably take me about six months to get a new gig. I can live on my savings. I've put away money. I, I don't have to worry about not making my mortgage or not paying my rent, you know, because you've lived within your means consistently. Listen, the matter of fact listening tour with Soledad. Am I pronouncing that right? Soledad? Yeah, Soledad, Soledad, anything. Yeah. You know, people. <laughs> okay, really, just make it short. It's Spanish. Like... So it's my full name is Maria de la Soledad Teresa Marquette O'Brien. So any Bomb. version. I know, right? It's a beautiful. Virgin Mary. No, that was beautiful, though. <laughs> beautiful name. It's a long way of saying the Virgin Mary. Literally. Wow. Oh, really? Matter, okay, well, the matter of fact listening tour with the Virgin Mary <laughs> is coming soon, okay? That's right. <laughs> thank, you so, thank you so much for joining us here on Montgomery & Company. That's so nice dope. to talk to you guys. Hi, Mamacita. Nice to talk to you as well.
with Snook. Why? Because Snook has a lot of stories. Snook has lived a lot of lives. Snook has a lot of knowledge. So get into it. Story time with Snook. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So a part of sports is having fans go crazy in the crowd. A part of sports when you're an athlete is being worried about your family in the crowd when the fans are going crazy. Well, our nightmare came to reality when Snook encountered a situation at the Rutgers game. Tell him about it, Snook. My kids and some of my coworkers and friends have told me I need to write a book. As you know, or may not know, I worked and taught at a college for over 30 years. Recently, Chris Paul tweeted about a situation that happened with his family. Let me tell you about a similar moment that happened back in 2009 when I was glad it was just a moment. I, along with Nicole, some of her husband's family, and Nishay and her husband traveled to the UConn-Rutgers game at Rutgers. We went to the game realizing that the atmosphere at the arena was going to be electric because Rutgers and UConn were big, big East rivals, and this game was towards the end of the season, and that meant there was going to be a lot riding on the outcome of the game. In addition, Gino had stirred the fans up. Don't quote me on this, but it was something like this. Rutgers fans are the most miserable fans in America. So needless to say, the Rutgers fans were turned up. Usually at away games, the visitor seats are somewhere in the section behind the visitor's bench. Our seats for this game were way up in the nosebleed section, and our group was not seated together. I knew we were in trouble when Gino entered the arena for the game flanked by security guards. The game did not disappoint, and believe me, we were cheering for the Huskies like we always do, home or away. Now here's the rub. Sitting behind me was a father and his eight- or nine-year-old son. They could not help but know we were for the opposing team. 
Midway through the second quarter, the son who was sitting directly behind me began kicking me in my back. The first couple of times I thought it was an accident, but the next time he kicked me, I turned around and the boy and his father both were smiling at me. I asked the youngster to please refrain from kicking me in my back. Again, they both smiled. Now I'm getting upset. I allowed him to kick me a couple of more times before I stood up and said, I ask you nicely to stop, tell your son to stop kicking me in my back. He smiled and blew it off like it was a joke. We made it to halftime, and now Nicole and Mrs. Young are aware of the situation. Mrs. Young decided she should ask the dad to control his child. All she got was a smile, too. The kicks started again after halftime, and by now everyone in our group knew what was going on. Needless to say, they were all fired up. We didn't want any trouble, and we were just there trying to enjoy the game. This was getting to be a big distraction, not only for us, but for the fans from both teams. Everyone was watching to see when the next kick occurred. And when it happened, my son-in-law, who was not seated next to us, got up and came over. I thought to myself, uh-oh. My son-in-law is a big man, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and built from the floor up. He asked the father with authority if he needed some help controlling his son or was he the one that needed to be controlled. Nishay was so nervous about the possibility of my son-in-law laying hands on the father. Miraculously, the father was not smiling now. He did not say anything to his son, but they got up and changed seats. I was elated that, number one, we did not start a disturbance, and two, and more importantly, we could enjoy the rest of the game. Renee scored 23 points, and UConn beat Rutgers 69-59 to finish off the fifth undefeated season in program history. With all the negative news we are now hearing about how fans are treating the opposing team's fans, it brings back scary memories for me, and I can identify with being on the receiving end of a fan's bad behavior. It is something I do not wish on anyone. In the toxic environment we live in today, this type of behavior, bad behavior, I just described, could be dangerous. This was one time I was glad moments did not equal momentum. Let's get a grip, people. I wonder if anyone else has experienced this at a game. You know, hearing Soledad talk about having those uncomfortable conversations and that how in that discomfort you can grow, it's, it's really interesting to me because no one ever wants to have the uncomfortable conversations. I didn't even want her to tell me to have those conversations about my own snook, which I know we're supposed to have, which Cole, I hope you handle that yourself because I can't do it. But there is growth and discomfort and we see it in sports all the time. So I've been yelling about opening day and the home opener and we had a lot of discomfort last year with the Atlanta Dream and just with our ownership group. And now you can just clearly see the growth. So sometimes it takes that discomfort to grow, but lean in. MoCo, it's a generational thing. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? 
Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.